3: Or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know.
5: Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Noel.
4: They call me Ben, our uh, our compatriot, our third amigo. He's fallen in battle. Yes, Matt Frederick has uh, been temporarily afflicted with a virus, which he assures us is neither uh, terminal nor, at this point, contagious. However, he is taking some R&R and will be returning very soon. He's with us in spirit. As soon as he convalesces. Yes, as soon as he convalesces and re, uh, reconstitutes, uh, we're also, of course, joined by our super producer Tristan McNeil, and most importantly, you are here, which makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Now, this is a uh, a little bit of a different episode uh, for you and I, isn't it? No.
5: Yeah, it's a little. I don't know. Did you ever? Uh, did- that's kind of the buffer.
4: Then, uh, <laughs> I feel. I feel a little
5: bit. Uh, Exposed. <laughs> I <laughs> did, did don't like you, the way you're looking at me.
4: <laughs> did uh Did you ever go to a um Did you ever go to a charter school?
5: I went to a summer camp.
4: Into a summer camp. I was the same camp. thing. As it, I, I guess it's not the same thing. You're gonna
5: have to teach me about charter schools. I understand it like a basic view of what charter schools are, but we're gonna mm-hmm. have to go a little micro. But no, Ben, I did not. I went to a magnet school.
4: Yeah, which yeah. Is,
5: it's not the same thing, but it is you know publicly funded technically it's a public school but there's like
4: well yeah you, what is you a magnet can't school
5: get in unless you meet certain criteria like mm. you i had to sing happy birthday real well tristan actually went to the same uh, magnet school
4: oh yeah we'll, we'll peek mm-hmm.
5: behind the curtain me and tristan are old friends couple of magnets yeah well, yeah um we had magnetic personalities that's all sure.
4: right okay i played
5: the violin uh-huh i think tristan just painted or something i don't know what tristan did yeah yeah I think was he was an he, artist
4: yeah he was
5: in the jazz band, probably.
4: <laughs> but no, what's a charter school? Yeah, uh, so as as people know, regardless of what country you live in, there are probably different specialized versions of schools, uh, and they are not separated by grade level alone. In the U.S., we have multiple types of schools. There are magnet schools, right, type of public institution. There are, of course, public schools. There are private schools. There are religious schools, and there are charter schools. Okay, so charter schools – just like a public school, offer free uh, tuition to children uh, who take these state-mandated exams, but they're subject to fewer rules, regulations, and statutes than traditional schools. They also receive uh, less public funding, and it's usually like a fixed amount per pupil.
5: Isn't a big part of it, though, that kids don't have to be zoned Like they don't have to live specifically in the area that's zoned for that
4: particular school. Right. Yeah. And they can be nonprofit. They can also be for profit. So they have they have wide variations within that, with within within that field. And I know people are probably wondering, right, you're probably wondering, why are the guys talking about charter schools? promise you there's a payoff and it's a big and weird one. It's a yeah, it's really weird. It's a doozy of a payoff. So right now there are a little bit less than seven thousand charter schools in forty-two states and D.C. That's of two thousand sixteen, and they have about three million students. They've been growing like gangbusters. Well, especially under the current administration and the new uh,
5: Secretary of Education, isn't school choice isn't that a big part of charter schools? Vouchers, and yeah, things like that? yeah,
4: school vouchers, yeah. Nail on the head. There's a big, there's a big move, and there has been for a number of years to offer that uh, choice because, you know, for anyone who ever has ever bought a house, one thing real estate agents love to bring up is the school system, and there will be a premium placed on a property because of the zip code it's Absolutely. In, right? And this is something familiar to anyone who has children. And you said parents a minute ago, but we fixed we it. We beeped it out. Yeah, I said to anyone that who has awesome. parents. Yeah. This issue has uh, – or, or this practice of, of sending children to charter schools – has its proponents and its critics. Uh, oh, we should also mention, like a magnet school, they may provide a specialized curriculum, right? Uh, so you had uh you had a magnet school that focused on the uh, arts, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could also focus on mathematics, on, on STEM training, or on vocational training. We're not here to argue the pros or cons about charter schools. However, our uh, special guest today came to, uh, came to us off the air with an amazing and very strange story about charter schools, not just here in Georgia, but throughout the nation. And you may have heard us mention, uh, mention this guy on the show before way back in the day. But ladies and gentlemen, Noel and I would like to officially introduce you to, uh, stuff they don't want you to know as intern, Sam Teagarden
6: greetings everyone
4: <laughs> hey thanks for coming on the show yeah, Sam seriously well, glad I could be here do you agree with our um, our description of charter schools that seem about right
6: I think it's very accurate from my experience yes
4: okay now Sam you went to a charter school for a time Yep. A- and uh, when you, when you were at this charter school it turned out that not everything was as it seemed at the surface right
6: that's correct there are there are some things overall that is we learned that Hey, that, that's a little bit off. That's a little bit weird.
4: Could you give us uh just some examples, some initial examples?
6: So some initial examples were the high turnover rate of teachers. We'd have some teachers we very much liked, but suddenly they'd move on. There was an international kind of theme. Like mm-hmm. Instead of like a cheerleading group, we would have Turkish dance. Okay. Um, we'd have some kind of uh interesting, very big pro- science projects and um, other things that we would go to competitions with. Mm-hmm. But our teachers did a lot of the work. And then you come to the science fair one day and you'd see a giant Tesla coil in the middle of the, the gymnasium. and You'd be like, I don't think middle schoolers built that.
4: <laughs> Things like that. Let's learn a little bit about the teachers. Could you describe some of your instructors?
6: So some my, my, my instructors were a mix of um, uh, American teachers that you – they hired from around the area and a lot of international teachers from outside the country, more specifically from Turkey. These teachers – a lot of these teachers were very good. They were all very intelligent people, highly qualified. But some of them were overqualified and kind of didn't speak the language as well as you hope. For example, I had one teacher who was – had a degree in – I believe it was atomic engineering or atomic energy but taught like the kind of the feel wellness class, understand your emotions class. It's like, I think you're, you're, you're way more qualified for this. You're very intelligent. Is that sort of like
5: when they get the gym teacher to also teach, you know, driver's ed?
6: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit difference. We didn't, she never taught me how to build a nuclear reactor, which I was a little bit sad about. Ah, okay. Or we'd have some teachers who didn't really talk to us very much and all of our, our work was just like worksheets that they would hand out and we would hand them back and we didn't have a lot of interaction. It was, it was strange.
5: We're creeping up on something. I think we should go ahead and just, just drop the it just a little out. bit. Okay, this is a particular type of chart, not not a type necessarily, but almost a chain. I
6: guess you could call I, it. I would. I, 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 th- I think network. Network. Be.
5: Network. Because they all had different names that weren't related to the the brand, shall we say? Which is uh the, how do you pronounce it? The Gulen school. The Gulen. The Gulen movement. So they were called things like the. Busy Bee Academy for, mm-hmm. you know, talented youths and things like Usually that. Usually
6: with a high emphasis on math and science.
4: And uh like the one you attended
6: was? uh Fulton Science Academy. Right.
4: Okay. So how could you argue with a name like that? But I think you're absolutely correct, Noel. Uh, that's what we need to establish because while these – while this network of hundreds of charter schools may have seemed unrelated, they were in truth much more like limbs on a branch or fingers on a hand. And the hand – is something that we just mentioned the Gulen movement. This, yeah, it's true. It sounds crazy, and no offense, Sam, but uh, Noel, Matt, and I were pretty skeptical at first.
6: Oh, I, I would have been. You think you were skeptical? I was in it, and my mother was coming to me like, yeah, "We might need to change schools." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And then she started going into this stuff, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Are you Are you okay?" So, so the Gulen
4: movement is an Islamic transnational movement led by a uh, religious figure uh, from Turkey named Fethullah Gulen. And he lives in exile in Pennsylvania currently. In the Poconos, right? In the Poconos, yes, just so. And he uh, he is considered by some to be the second most powerful man in Turkey or formerly the second most powerful. I saw figures from between one and four million
5: Followers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No.
4: Not just in the U.S. and Turkey, right. but across the world, uh, because the school that Sam went to turned out is one of these nodes in the network, and not in any way rare. That's the scariest part, because because this this school functions uh, as what the opponents would call a uh, a front or a um almost a a, mon- a way to move money. Yeah, exactly. And uh this this movement um like most people if you're listening when you hear something described as a movement.
5: Yeah, at what point do you, does it get to be a movement?
4: Yeah, right? And and is it a is numbers it game? Good is it bad? Right. Right? I mean, four people is a movement. Technically,
5: I mean, if, as long as, really as you cool. synchronize, right, you walk right. together in a line, yep. you can look pretty intimidating. A group of four walking slowly. I feel, slowly, yeah. but I think you hit know?
6: the nail on the head there. That's a group of people. I feel like you need at least eight to twelve to be a movement. Well, see, I'm yeah, i am really? completely
5: joking, but even that <laughs> seems low to me. No, I feel yeah. like a movement needs to be what, like a, like a revolution, like a mini, you right,
4: know, right, There's... sea change. I wonder if there's a um, counter terrorism definition of it. We could exactly, arrive at that. Exactly. would be a good way to look. Because well, that's
5: a term that gets thrown on in politics a lot. Like the, during the last election, mm-hmm. you know, uh, our president uh, kept referring to his uh, campaign as a movement.
4: Right. And I guess a lot of supporters of political candidates would be like the so-called Bernie bros would be – I guess a movement. There's definitely a number here. Let's talk a little bit more just to paint the scenery of what the Gulen movement is. These people who are making money off these schools and employing each other in these schools. That's, those, those two things are all true.
6: Those, they are very true. I they, want to
4: be very careful not to disparage.
6: Of course. We're, we're, we're not trying to disparage because a lot of the, what the school does, at least there's, I had a very positive experience for a, a very large portion of it, it was only after you kind of pulled back the curtain and saw the whole machine mm-hmm. that it really became a problem
4: so the movement itself has been characterized as Islam in a less hard line way or a less rigid application. the nice parts of Islam right, so it's technology friendly. they want to work with current existing social structures, they encourage interfaith conversations, um, and that's that's a big deal to a lot of people. But also, as you can see, it could be considered um, beyond controversial, you know, anathema of sorts.
6: I think it's more because it's kind of a front for what their kind of actual main goal is. Mm. When you actually go in there. Yeah, tell us actually, a little bit. I have a quote from uh, Gulan himself from this. It's more kind of – it seems a little more insidious because at first glance, it's like, oh – it's a guy who's about interfaith dialogue and who is very much into math and science. Why wouldn't you want him opening up a school in your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. See, It makes it like it makes sense. But here's just a quote from him. You must remove in the arteries of the system without anyone noticing your existence till you reach all the power centers. You must wait until such a time as you have gotten all the state power until you have brought to your side the power of the constitutional institutions. So that seems a little bit – a little bit kind of – Insidious.
4: Right. Yeah. That reminds me, you know what that, that reminds me of, uh, back when we looked at communist worries and communist witch hunts in the fifties where people would talk about a a so-called fifth column, Mm. you know, and, uh, a, a domestic sleeper force of sorts. Oh, we do need to say, by the way, that as we, as we look at this, yes, this is an Islamic movement and it does touch on Islam, uh, but we're not we're not bashing anybody for their religious beliefs. We do have, uh, we do have a little bit of foreshadowing here, Sam, and I really appreciate that you put that in there because, like the opponents say, it's possible that the Gulen movement is not all it seems. It's not just, uh, according to its detractors, it is not just a um, an attempt to make a more friendly version of a religion, and then to build schools. There is an agenda at play. Uh, Opponents have labeled members of the Gulen community as secret missionaries. Uh, And those who are sympathetic to the movement describe it more as a civil society organization. Well, one point I read in
5: uh, the Atlantic article that you sent me about it, which was fantastic, um, was that there was no evidence whatsoever that there was any kind of Islamic doc- indoctrination or radicalization built into the curriculum. And to the point where if that became an issue with certain detractors, it would come off as being xenophobic. Yeah. So that that was really fascinating to me because it's clearly not – about any kind of radicalization in that respect, and it was very um, interfaith almost friendly. It reminded me of like Unitarianism or something like that, where it it's not, 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 I mean, obviously it's secular.
6: It was, it was secular though? I mean, what were there religious aspects to it? I'm, I'm a little, I'm trying to get my well, head around it. Here's from my experience in the school there never really was anything that really kind of uh, made religion a center point of everything. It was very much all about education, mm-hmm. and more than that, there it was definitely trying to make a have all the students have a positive kind of view of Turkish culture mm. and Turkey in general so I think it was more about the trying the culture rather than religion though I will say that um at my school and I can't say that this, this is at all schools but not there definitely was a prayer room that was there and they it was open to all students but it seemed to me at least from what I was that only students of the Islamic students were made aware of the prayer room they weren't really we weren't really made aware of it if we wanted to uh, follow that ourselves. What
5: what was the reason that you sought out this school or how did it come to your attention and is there some something in your family's background that made this appealing to your parents in some way or
6: It sure did. My uh, grandfather taught at a charter school and though it, that charter school is outside of our range for it would be easy to go to school every day. Sure. We thought why not these things seem re- very interesting and teaches outside the curriculum and we're already kind of seeing a slump in the schools near our, our areas why not give it a shot we came to the school that this the test scores were really good it was an international school which promoted multiculturalism and which is like oh that's really good my mom definitely was very much a pro for that and i was very interested too mm-hmm. so we're like it had a lot to do with the appeal of a very good school with great test scores and it had a lot to do with dealing with other cultures, becoming more accepting, being very multicultural and just kind of getting more experiences for my young, uh, very kind of isolated American kid. Just like I, I didn't really have to deal with a lot of other cultures just from where I was so mm-hmm. my parents thought let's, let's, am- am- kind of immerse you into it a little bit.
4: And probably uh, great language classes, better Mm -hmm. opportunities to explore things that a public school might not be able to concentrate on. You actually went to Turkey as part of your time at this academy.
6: Mm -hmm. That's very true. That's the first point where we started to pull things together, like something doesn't quite add up here. That's when we started kind of digging into the school. And when we started getting kind of stonewalled by the administration. Could you
4: uh, tell us a little bit about your trip?
6: So the trip, when it was first announced, it was over spring break, 10 days, 10 nights, all expense paid trip. All you have to do is pay $800 as a student and $1,100 as a parent. And for going to Turkey for o- over a week, that's, that's really good. So we're like, yeah. of course, we've got to go. But as it approaches, we're like, can we see the itinerary? And they're like, no, no, we don't have the itinerary. And then as we keep going closer and closer each day, they're like, we still – you still don't have the itinerary. If we don't have one, we're not going to go. So eventually like, oh, no, no, no. Here you go. But even then it was just a list of the places that we were all going to go. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like a few days before we found out, oh, the students and the parents will be separate because you assume that as a par- the parents would come and help chaperone all the kids because there's going to be a lot of us going. Mm-hmm. But we would be even on different flights in different cities and without any way real way to co- uh contact or communicate with each other.
4: Hmm. So there's already something that seems kind of weird, right? And mm-hmm. your your mother is one of the first people who begins to put some pieces together. That's right. Uh you ran into another charter school too, correct?
6: That's right. We um this my mother was on an airplane traveling to uh another one of the cities and then she met a oh look, there there was a, a American teacher in front of her. She's like Hey, how are you doing? So they started talking and they're like, wait, so you're on the same trip. We've gone to a lot of the same places, but we're not – you're also a charter school, but we're not affiliated. That's strange. So they start talking about that. But guess what? (laughs) The principal of that other school comes over and (laughs) switches seats with her so she can't talk with my mom. Hmm. And the strange part is later that trip, they they found – they met each other again at the, the, the same hotel they were both staying at. And that was a lot of weirdness from her. Mm-hmm. But now there's also some weirdness going on with me. So I'm we're going around having the time of our lives, seeing ancient Byzantine ruins, going to the Grand Mosque. It was amazing, going through some bazaars. But then there's some weird stuff that started to happen. Like we would never really know where we were going to go stay for the night. They were basically kind of calling other friends in their in their network, saying, "Hey, do you have room for this many kids?" This and the other thing. And so this is the really weird thing. Now you have to understand that we were a math and science school, so you can. And we were, we were some very nerdy kids, and I take pride in that, but I understand the the kind of stereotypes that go with us. Sure. So all of a sudden, we're at this kind of, uh, park, and all all these Turkish girls start coming over from another charter school. And they start being very kind of, uh, interested in all the guys that are going to our school, and that just didn't add up. That's the thing with that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's the part. (laughs) That's the part we're like, wait a minute,
6: why, this doesn't make any sense. And it, it turns out later we actually went to that exact school. There, there was a friend – it's like a sister school in Turkey. We're like, oh, what are the odds of that?
4: After this trip, which it sounds mm-hmm. like was a, was a great trip. A oh, absolutely. A tremendous opportunity. I,
6: the pe- everyone we met was fantastic. It, Turkey, a beautiful country, got to see amazing historical places. It was absolutely the trip of the, the lifetime, if not a little bit strange.
4: Yeah. And so when you returned, when you and your mother returned to the States, uh, she began to investigate – uh, to in hopes of connecting some dots and finding some answers mm-hmm. and this is where the story takes a bit of a twist, and we learn that this charter school network and the Gulam movement may uh, have much much more to it than you would originally suspect
6: mm-hmm.
4: but we'll only learn that after a word from our sponsor.
0: Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff.
3: Start having sex and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Upon your return, you learn, you and your mother learn, that not only is this charter school run by uh, members of the organization known as the gulan movement or uh, hizmet in mm-hmm. turkish but uh, also you learn more about what that movement is uh what that movement is really quote unquote up to right
6: mm-hmm. and th- that's what the kind of interesting part was my mom when she first was investigating she's like this is just sort of weird she was trying to get to the bottom of it understand it so she started talking to these really good journalists like really high up there, the, these weren't these weren't Yahoos, and they're like, oh wow, this is really interesting. This is compared to something else I'm going on. If you're willing to talk to me about it, I'd love to have the information. But don't worry, I won't use your name. Okay. Don't worry, it happened multiple times. She's like, that's really strange. Well, I don't care if they use my name. What's so the, there's nothing to be so sinister about this. But that's when she starts digging and starts seeing the stuff that the that the school does that you wouldn't necessarily uh put on the brochure Mm -hmm. so this is stuff like this is stuff that has been proven this is so using a lot of the tax dollars to build their schools but always doing it very cheaply somehow is coming in under budget and that money just sort of disappears there's they start using construction companies that you find out oh wait they're owned by people who are either on the board of the schools or on the boards of one of the sister schools, mm-hmm. they start using a lot of the money for kind of political contributions and to start taking a bunch of politicians on the same trip that I went on to hmm. so the exactly a lot of self-dealing. And then when they did go for outside help, there's several cases where they wouldn't they just wouldn't pay the contractors.
5: Wasn't the school the actual or maybe it, maybe it wasn't here specifically, but one of the ones in Fulton County was quite in debt.
6: That is correct. Yeah. yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And is that because of that kind of stuff, like not paying local contractors? Like who were they in debt to? I mean, If a lot of the self-dealing is going on, that would be harder to trace, I guess. But how, were they not – because I know that they get taxpayer money to fund the school. Mm-hmm. So was was there an issue with their use of taxpayer money as well? Well,
6: definitely something to do with the use of the taxpayer money, the kind of moving around. I know there was a couple – if not with the local one, but in several examples, there was lawsuits from contractors like you didn't – we built your school – you didn't pay us the money mm-hmm. after that, and they would just kind of stop talking to them. It's they were of... just
4: ghost on them,
6: exactly. Which doesn't really work when you have a big contract with someone when you owe, mm-hmm. owe them a lot of money and a
4: permanent address.
6: Yes,
5: <laughs> and on the surface, they were doing their job. You, even you, as an insider, say it's it was a good school experience. Mm-hmm. I the absolutely... test scores were good. The teachers were mm-hmm. receptive and you know mm-hmm. good. It was The whole environment was pretty solid. Yeah, I like. think
6: – here's the thing. There were some teachers who were very much part of the movement and there were some teachers who were there because of the benefits that it gave. I see. But one of the things is they brought a lot of people over with HIB visas, which that means you, they couldn't find – hire someone who was qualified locally. You can only apply for that if you can't do that. So apparently they couldn't find a lot of, <laughs> a lot of teachers, math, science and English teachers mm-hmm. around in, in Georgia for some reason and a lot of those teachers like they would come over but part of the agreement is like you'll get paid this amount but you have to give like th- this much back to the movement
4: you essentially have to tithe to Hizmet exactly so uh, that's a that's another thing that makes it sound uh, as if things are financially not on the up and up and we know that we know that historically The connection between religion and money, not to shout out our previous episode too hard, but the connection between religion and money is very, very important. And often it's a love-hate relationship.
5: It's a fine line, too, where it become – obviously you need money to – Continue any large organization where you have overhead and you have infrastructure and you have to pay employees just like you would any other company or organization. But when it starts to get out of hand, like with the Creflo dollar type, you know, oh, yeah. where you're using tithe money to, to finance your jet mm-hmm. um, or as in this situation where we see the leader of this movement using some of these funds that were being generated to finance political revolution
4: Yes, yes.
6: Mm-hmm. But one other thing I, I just have to mention about the school, yeah. and especially really into the money, is that a lot of the really good American teachers never really got promoted. Well, uh, the, some of the teachers who were who very quickly ca- were rotated in mm-hmm. didn't have the best grasp on the language and basically basically worked off of cards, worksheets, work yeah. where they often got promoted mm-hmm. and, got, um, and were moved around and, and that sort of thing. But while well, they were kind of uh, ignored, and it was especially a problem with a lot of the uh, women teachers. They were not as um, they were not given the same amount of respect. And I know that that led to a, a bunch of the teachers uh, leaving there and mm-hmm. forming their own charter school.
4: Ah, uh, a charter school revolution, as well as above, so below, <laughs> uh, reminds me of supersymmetry because Noel, you you dropped a very important line there that I want to make sure. Everybody listening understands. You said political revolution?
5: Well, I mean, it's, you know, there is evidence, as we're going to discuss, that the leader of this movement was not only, you know, hiding funds and sort of washing money that was being diverted to other things. One of those things was an attempt to overthrow the government of of Turkey.
4: Yes, just so. So this, uh, this movement that, uh, promotes itself as as a moderate interpretation of Islam uh in two thousand and sixteen. All
5: about nonviolence. All yes. about yeah,
4: let's emphasize that part. Um yes. Uh in two thousand and sixteen the government of Turkey requested Gulan's extradition from Pennsylvania and continues uh to do so because they say that the Gulen movement was Directly responsible for a uh, failed coup attempt in the Turkish government, and this is where things start to get interesting. Because if we follow the money, and I think that was very smart for you to construct that um, that list for us, if we follow the money, then I'm sure some of some of us listening are thinking, well, problem number one, this would be federal tax dollars supporting a religious. Movement, right? Uh, or religious education possible, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so that could get sticky. But more importantly, this becomes federal tax dollars to some degree unknowingly supporting an intervention in the affairs of a sovereign nation, which is in some cases considered grounds for starting a war. This is a big and strange Deal. Um, we've got, you can see if you if you check for the movement, you can see several of the back and forth allegations um, along with criticism on both sides where people call uh the current president, Erdogan, a um, a despot, right? Mm-hmm. Or a dictator. So in uh 2016, on July fifteenth, just a little over a year ago now. Uh, there, this coup occurred. It was led by a military faction operating outside the traditional chain of command. And you know, a lot of revolutions occur when some like-minded, higher-up military officials get together, maybe with a wealthy, um, aristocratic family on the outs or yeah, something. I mean, they want to have the promise that if they succeed, they will have support. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Cause it's, it's much harder to Stabilize and maintain a uh, a country mm-hmm. you know it's 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 still really hard to overthrow a status quo, but it's much more difficult to institute a new and lasting one so destroying yeah.
6: something's easy, building something up is much more difficult
4: yeah yeah that's that's a really good way to say it so the when this coup occurs, erdogan and co um believe that this was entirely done. Um, or orchestrated by the Gulen movement, and therefore by Gulen himself. So in the days and weeks after the coup, there was a massive crackdown, purges affecting all entities affiliated with the Gulen movement, individuals, businesses, but bigger than that, newspapers, schools, universities. And these are now known as the 2016 to 2017 purges.
6: It's interesting you mention newspapers because... One of the things that's kind of looked uh, looked into by um, my mom is they were all herself and all the other kind of charter trips were all taken to this one newspaper in Turkey that was very it's a it's a very large newspaper but it's very much a, kind of a, in the Gulen sphere and that was one of the first ones that was um, purged after the uh, revolution failed.
4: Let's let's look at some numbers here because this is some stuff that that definitely caught me by surprise uh, during the coup. Over 300 people were killed. More than 2,000 were injured. Um, multiple government buildings were bombed from the air. So whomever was orchestrating this did have access to you know military aircraft. And there were mass arrests afterwards, which we mentioned. At least 40,000 people were detained and at least 10,000 soldiers, almost 3,000 judges, 15,000 educators – and uh, they were suspended, and 21,000 teachers working in private institutions had their uh, licenses revoked, probably because they taught at charter schools. And the
6: charter schools in the region, mm-hmm.
4: yeah. Uh, and to date, just on the basis of um, alleged connections to Gulan, over 100,000 people have been arrested or fired. And this was all happy You know, it's, it's kind of crazy, right? You were part of this unknowingly.
5: And if I'm not mistaken, that ended up involving quite a bit more than you would have expected at this point or that you bargained for overall, right? Absolutely. Well, we're going to get into that after one more quick little ad break.
0: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff.
5: and we're back so sam you had been out of this school for a time now a couple years
6: that's right i was well into high school at this right point.
5: and one day you get a knock on the door
6: and at the door was two fbi special agents and they wanted to talk with me and my mom about our experience with with this whole this whole charter school chain mm-hmm. it seems like they were very interested now of course um they they told me when they left they would neither confirm or deny that they uh, were even there but I can say that it, they were there and they either they were or are still investigating the whole <laughs> charter school thing but the last thing you expect is ha- to have the FBI knock on your door I can tell you that
4: yeah uh, especially because you know you're a uh You're a stand-up kid, at least at that point, you know. I've committed
6: no federal crimes.
4: You've committed no federal crimes. Or
6: state crimes, to my knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All-around (laughs) mensch. But at the same time, you
4: you are into, like, pop culture and
5: stuff, and so to have the FBI come and knock, it's got to be, on one level, terrifying, but also on another level, maybe kind of cool.
6: Oh, it's it's very much both. (laughs) Uh, On one hand, it's it's like, have I ever done anything wrong in my life? No, but... What if I did and yeah. didn't know it? Oh, totally. Oh, I ha- yeah.
5: I have stress dreams about that kind of stuff, where like the the FBI has been tracking me for years for something I did that I didn't even know was We've a crime. have been looking right. at your
6: Amazon purchases, and it turns exactly. out you can build an atomic weapon, right? List. Or they're right. like
5: pre-criming me, where they're like you know putting together mm-hmm. based on my browsing habits and my Amazon bot purchases, they know that I will eventually commit a horrible
4: crime. And that's but that's a yeah. new other
5: that's that's topic for another episode.
4: But that's common in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. That would be a great episode. But that's common in this country for even the most squeaky clean, law-abiding person to feel that little that little knife, that stab of fear when they see, for instance, the lights on a on a cop car turn on behind you. you
6: I mean, what? not even that. If I'm just driving along the road and a cop car passes me, I know I immediately slow down a little bit and square up in my driving. Put 10 and 2? 10, 10, 10 and 2.
4: Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> – the, um, so take it to the
5: next logical extreme. What was it like when the FBI? FBI came and what kind of stuff do they talk to you about? Yeah. Well, if you can even uh, go into that,
6: I can go into a little bit. But um, I, right when they came into the door, I absolutely felt like I was underdressed. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was very much squared up. Like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am.
4: Got a steering wheel. Put your hands on yeah, exactly. And <laughs>
6: exactly. <laughs> Send to the seat. Um, but a lot of what they asked me about was basically the about the teachers who went there, mm-hmm. about the kind of quality of the school. Um. Anything that I noticed was off, uh, some of the places I went to when I was in my on the Turkish trip, stuff like that.
4: Mm-hmm. And uh, were there any questions that they asked that specifically stuck out to you as uh, a strange line of questioning?
6: I think the, the strangest line of questioning is asking how I felt about the school, how I felt about the thing. It was very much trying to get the, kind of a personal read on my experience, if mm-hmm. I was hiding anything, if... If I – I honestly think they were trying to see if I was indoctrinated because I know one of the kind of – the tactics they did. Now, I've gotten this from some of my friends and and I feel like some of the stuff is a feeling I have. I've got no evidence to back it up. But I think some of our test scores were inflated. Now, I can't confirm any of that. But I also know some of my friends were there like they thought they did well on a test. They did poorly and they're like, here, come do some tutoring with us. They they tutor them. Oh look, now you're getting good grades. Even though if you actually check the the stuff back and forth, guess what? It was the same. It was the same. Uh, Why the do Same that? answers. Well, because it makes them seem like they're they can absolutely help you. That it also adds more stuff to. It's kind of like the thing with the project at the school that gets so much right. uh, teacher help.
5: The Tesla coil.
6: Yeah, it gets a lot more. The time re- machine. It gets more right. renowned to the school, which mm-hmm. leads to more awards, which leads to more state money, and to more people who want legitimacy. to, to legitimacy. Right. Exactly. Yeah, ultimately. Ultimately, it's a, it's a lot more legitimate. It, if anything, it it seems a little bit culty. If I had to say anything else, some of the stuff. Now, I again, I need to make this very clear. I've had some of the best teachers I've ever had there. A lot of them were Turkish teachers. And even the ones that weren't were they were all very good. But I didn't. It's kind of hard not to ignore some of these things after you see the whole big picture. So
5: do you, I mean, again, we're, we're in the realm of conjecture here, but yeah. do you think this is the kind of thing where this, uh, gentleman started this chain of schools with good intentions and then gradually started thinking, huh, maybe I could use it for this? Cause it seems like the foundation is super solid and it's, it's like, a real school. why bother making it that good and like actually paying such attention to detail? Mm-hmm. You know, most fronts, that's why they call it a front because well, there's nothing there. It's just like a, a
6: a facade, right? Well, I think that's kind of the point because it's more than just a front. I feel like if you do anything, it's something that that's kind of part of the legitimacy. And I, I think it goes to with that quote I said earlier. It wants people to kind of infiltrate because even if – I, even afterwards, I definitely have a lot more positive view on Turkey than I did before. Even with all the stuff that Ooh. happened, I, I definitely have a greater appreciation for it. So – if you do things right and you actually start converting people – when I, converting seems like it's a charged way. Sure. But, but trying to get people acclimated to Turkey, to their culture, to liking you, that I think that's it – basically it's a – I think it's a have your cake and eat it too sort of situation. Well, yeah,
4: it's a soft diplomacy, which mm-hmm. is a, a, a core part of many strategies from different state actors in China. China, for instance, has in the US the Confucius Institutes, which mm-hmm. are all uh, intent on uh, – educating people regard educating people in the West regarding uh, Chinese culture. I do want to say before anybody writes in on this um, that Gulan himself claimed the recording he is on he he is on record. You can hear a recording of Gulan saying the quotation that Sam read at the top. Gulan for his part claims that the recording was altered, which we know. We know can happen, but it's Uh, it's not the easiest
5: thing in the world without it sounding. I mean, there, it's getting better. Like I think there's like a, uh, I want to say Adobe was kind of shopping around or like sort of showing off at some conferences, this like Photoshop for audio thing where you can piece together, you know, and I'm an audio engineer Mm -hmm. and I don't have that technology yet, but it, but I heard some examples and it's pretty wild, but certainly not wasn't available here. I know. think
6: the thing for me about the whole thing is the, the message of of definitely tolerance and getting kids excited about math and science is very good. And at face value, that's very nice. But I think that I don't really feel like it, that it's that genuine for the basic reason because when we went and asked my principal at the time, oh, are you related to these other charter schools? He said, no, we're completely unaffiliated. Hmm. But even with a few Google searches, we found out that's not true. If they – would have just acknowledged they like, yeah, we're part of the largest network of charter schools in America, over 150 schools. We probably would have ended it there like, oh, that's fine. But the fact that they are trying to hide it and for good reason because it holds all these things about double dealing mm-hmm. and uh, con- contributions and the kind of moving money around, I feel like that's the kind of part for me that kind of tarnishes the whole experience. So It makes sure. me a little bit uh, paranoid about it for lack of a better word.
4: Well, in the course of our off-air research, when, when you first hipped us to this, uh, one of the things we found was that according to the BBC, Hizmet has no formal structure, no visible organization, no official members, or at least no published list, yet it may have grown into the world's largest network of its kind, the world's largest Muslim network. Hismit, by the way, simply means service. And, of course, their official line is they promote work for the common good. I'd like to explore some of the finger-pointing that happened after the coup, because the story is kind of weird.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: All right, so there's a political party called the AKP, closely associated with Erdogan. Uh, and in the aftermath of the failed coup attempt, Gulan came out and said, I condemn in the strongest terms the attempted military coup in Turkey. He emailed the New York Times and he said, you know, government should be won through free and fair elections, not force. And he's – he says he's praying for everyone. I'm I'm paraphrasing a little. He says, as someone who suffered under multiple military coups during the past five decades, it's especially insulting to be accused of having any link to such an attempt. I categorically deny such accusations. President Erdogan contacted the United States when he wanted gulan extradited and he said i call on you again after there was a coup attempt extradite this man in pennsylvania to turkey if we are strategic partners or model partners do what is necessary and then a late the labor minister of turkey a fellow man a fellow by the name of Soliman solu claimed that america was behind the coup that's where i think it gets interesting because we know that this country Regardless of whatever you feel your political or spiritual ideology is, it is inarguable that this country has instituted multiple underground coups yeah,
5: for our own benefit. Yeah, mm-hmm. for
4: our own – maybe not even or the, just to destabilize
5: a yeah. government that's like a competing for, on some any number of levels. Banana right. um,
6: republics or sure. whatever.
5: Yeah, um, we're not nice. <laughs>
4: Not.
6: parts of us
5: aren't nice. <laughs> I mean, but we are willing to go the go that extra mile to make this happen. It's not a stretch. Is it's what not I'm a saying. stretch. This, yeah. this, this accusation rings true and they know they knew it. I'm sure. And yeah. It's like there's enough evidence out there that's like, yeah, yeah we do
4: that. Of course we would. And uh in August, almost a year ago, exactly now. Uh, a former U.S. diplomat, a fellow named James Jeffrey, who was the ambassador to Turkey from 2008 to 2010, pointed the finger back at the Gulen movement, and he said uh, they have infiltrated uh, – they've made some infiltration, at least in the military that I'm aware of. They had extreme infiltration into the police and judiciary, um, and he says it's very clear that significant segment of the bureaucracy in Turkey was infiltrated and had their allegiance to the movement. And that's unacceptable. It's extremely dangerous. It's highly likely that that led to the coup. So the FBI investigates this innocent high school kid mm-hmm. stuff that happened two years ago on the off chance that he <laughs> became a sleeper agent.
6: I mean, I that that's the kind of feeling I got from a little bit. there. they were now maybe it's just me, and this is my only first and only interaction with FBI agents, but they. they were of course very nice, very polite, but they did seem a little bit suspicious of me. Which I found weird because it was my mom and my own kind of kind of digging into this whole thing and starting mm-hmm. contacting documentary people and people writing books, journalists. So it it seemed a little odd. So
4: now we we reach this point where tensions are escalating between the US and between Turkey. And this stuff has obviously been simmering for a while. This was when um, Barack Obama was still president. Mm-hmm. And Erdogan uh, wrote specifically to uh, President Obama to ask for the extradition of Gulan. And then the U.S. government said, we will need evidence of his guilt before any extradition. Uh, and then Erdogan Brought out some of the dirty laundry and said, when you asked for the return of a terrorist, we did not ask for documentation. Just give them to us. Let us put them on trial. And at this, at this point, oh, and, um, the U.S. officially said any reports that we had any previous knowledge of a coup attempt or that there was any U.S. involvement in it, uh, that we were anything other than entirely supportive of Turkish democracy are completely false, unequivocally false. So, the last missing piece of the puzzle here is like who, if, cause there clearly was a coup, so who does Gulen think was responsible if it wasn't his movement, if it wasn't his met, He said, he said that, uh, Erdogan did it, that it was a false flag. What do you think about that?
6: I think that's very interesting. I think that's, on one hand, you definitely do see, um, Erdogan does, does seem to be kind of consolidating power. And I know there were some accusations about um their connections before, and then suddenly all this dirty laundry about them suddenly came out. Like, oh, look, uh, Erdogan and his son had been hiding millions of dollars in shoeboxes in their home. That's strange. Who found that out? Oh, it seemed to be this one newspaper that has connection to uh, Gulan. Hmm. So it does seem like it could be a false flag trying to remove them. On another hand, it could be – it did seem like the coup, from what I understand, wasn't full – They were discovered early on, so they just tried to rush it, like, let's hope we can still make it work. So maybe it was just, I don't want using the best of a bad situation. But let's say it was Gulan for this kind of uh, just hypothetical. What does the United States know about that? Because at this point, um, the United States generally likes putting people in power who are stabilizing factors and who will allow us to be strategic partners against Russia and and other kind of (laughs) – Large powers in the region. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, it's something that's sponsored by the the large parts of the government. Is this just kind of a smaller project of another hand, the left hand not speaking to the right hand? Who knows? That's kind of the real kind of um, question. But it does seem interesting though, because though Gulon does definitely seem to be soft power
4: mm-hmm.
6: rather than revolution in the streets, and that's the thing. It it just doesn't fit the profile. But maybe that's be because he hasn't tried before.
4: Yeah. And we talked about where his money comes from and like his background. That's an excellent question. And thank you. Thank you for getting us on that. So we do need to learn a little bit more about this person that we have. We have painted as a shadowy figure, but we must say, to be fair, regularly writes to media institutions and maintains his innocence. So he was born in 1941 in April He's a preacher, a former imam, a writer, obviously involved in politics. There's still some confusion over his birth dates. So some people say 38 and some people say 41, 1938, 1941. Some uh, some critics say that the the date he gives for 1938 of 10 November is propaganda because it's the same day that the uh, founder of modern Turkey, Ataturk, died. Mm. Um, So – There's also possibly just the fact that this would have been a time when people have physical records. And if uh, a physical record was destroyed, then it's just word of mouth at that point, which happens more often than you might think. Um, So his father was also an imam and he uh, gave his first sermon when he was 14. People consider him sort of a, a Turkish nationalist. Aligning with religion and one of the great debates or one of the tensions uh, behind this movement is that modern Turkey is embroiled and, and obsessed with the question, are we a secular country or are we a religious country? Are we a democracy? Or are we a theocracy? And the Turkish military has often stepped in to keep the country quote unquote secular. Mm-hmm. So to people who would prefer it to be a secular country, any form of theocracy or religiously guided um, government, no matter how mild or how friendly, is still going to be incredibly dangerous.
6: Mm -hmm. And I think you can't overlook the the part where Turkey has been trying to be entered into the EU Mm -hmm. for a long time. And this stuff – just the more these kind of embroiled battles happen, the less likely that it's going to be entered into the EU. But it's still a, a very strong and important part of NATO.
4: Hmm. Yeah, that's true. NATO and the EU being separate. And speaking of
5: uh, Gulen's uh, willingness to speak to the press, he actually did an interview on NPR with Robert Siegel uh, this month, uh, July 11th. Quote, to this day, I have stood against all coups. I suffered during the military intervention of May 27, 1960, and then again on March 12, 1971, and again on September 12, 1980, and I was targeted fe- February twenty-eighth, 1997. My respect for the military aside, I have always been against interventions. I don't know the people who attempted the July 15 coup. They might know me. They may have attended some lectures. I have no idea. Thousands of people have come here to the retreat to visit, among them 50 members of Parliament, former President Abdullah Gull, former Foreign Minister Ahmet Davutoglu. For this reason, many people might know me, but I don't know them. One other thing is, I live here, thousands of miles away from Turkey. Some soldiers decided to do the coup, and despite the many questions and suspicions that remain of the government account of what transpired that night, if such claims are still taken to be credible, I shudder in astonishment." But if I were to humor that idea, if anyone among those soldiers had called me and told me of their plan, I would tell them you are committing murder. So that's
4: pretty explicit. Absolutely. And specific. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also – despite the fact that the Turkish government officially designated the Gulen movement or Hizmet as a uh, terrorist organization, there's – at this point, it doesn't seem like there's direct evidence linking – the man himself, Gulan, to anything.
6: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's kind of part of the point that that's kind of the strength of the network is that it doesn't acknowledge e- each other. It, it'll work with each other. They they know, they can identify other members, but they won't acknowledge their kind of um, togetherness.
5: They're like cells mm-hmm. almost. I mean, not to see it's terroristic it's, light, but that's the way. And that what works. I think what
6: I I think needs to be known: this is, a lot of this isn't necessarily. Um, it's not something that's trying to attack the United States or anything dramatic like that. At the end of the day, it's something that's basically trying to go- get both physical capital and political capital wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the the only real problem that a lot of people have with it is with how shady it does and the illegal practices that it, it promotes. If it's just the – if it follows the stated goal of uh, interfaith dialogue mm-hmm. and a – promotion of math and science education, I don't think anyone has problems with that. I think it's the real problem with how it's using it to move people and money in and out of the country.
4: Right. Yeah. And existing in some ways uh, in a disingenuous gray area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's – you know, that's a great point because regardless of how somebody may agree or disagree with the activities here uh, – it, there does seem to be financial corruption at, at the at the minimum um, Sam, i w- i would want to ask uh what what do you think is the future for these uh these charter academies and and have you written to any of your former teachers
6: um written to i am in contact with one, one of my former teachers she's actually started another charter school
4: this is the person you mentioned earlier
6: yeah um, she started another charter school and is trying to get that up off the ground to basically be, just be like a, follow what the original point of the, that school was, to be a, a math and science academy that promoted for youth, for the youth. And I think that that might be something that continues on. Uh, there's a lot of fighting going back and forth on whether the, um, schools here would remain, like they have a kindergarten through high school right now. And it was gonna see if they're gonna remain charter schools or not. Well, after back and forth and seeing a lot of the kind of stuff that goes on, the they lost the charter and they moved to a private institution. So I feel like that – the charter schools are definitely becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. But as more and more money goes into them, I feel like there's going to be more scrutiny. So either the schools are going to have to shape up or they're going to have to go into private institutions. My only concern is, and now I know this is, this goes again into the kind of allegory. There's a lot of the money Mm -hmm. that goes into gaining political support. There's a lot of it that goes into saying, look, we're charter schools. We're exactly what you want. There's been a lot of times where they take people on goodwill trips to Turkey, like the, like the one that I went on. Mm -hmm. And let me, it was a, a very nice trip. And if there's a lot of politicians that all they see is the test scores, all they see is the, uh, the various awards they go on a trip to Turkey oh of course why wouldn't I support this this is very nice and it follows my political base and I might get some political donations out of it that might sustain it it just really kind of depends on the, the zones and the more awareness of this the better to keep people honest and stuff like that but otherwise it, I think it's going to go on a state by state basis I can still see there's definitely a lot of room for growth but I don't know if it's sustainable
4: no, what do you, what do you think about this whole situation?
5: I think it's really interesting. Um I don't think we have enough information to make any definitive mm-hmm. final conclusions. I mean, you know, his his defense was so strongly worded and cut and dry mm-hmm. that I couldn't help but be a little bit taken in by it. Yeah. That could just be the work of a very charismatic con man, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think the whole... I, I, I'm i more fascinated with if it wasn't this than what was it, yeah. right? Like if, it
6: opens if, up more a lot more questions. Like, the whole thing is a, a real quagmire, and with the way that there's a lot of censorship and there's a lot of conflicting stories... Even from people, there's people who are on the ground who who still protest the government or for the government. That it's it's very unclear what was going on in that situation, and it's still kind of un. But here's the thing I find interesting. Even here, talking to other, I, my parents have talked to other parents who, even after it's very much clearly shown the link, a lot of the parents are like, "Who cares." Who, as long as get, I'm getting a good education for my kid, right. who cares what they're doing with the government's money? That's
5: what I was saying a minute ago. It's like – it seems like everything was in place and it was a positive experience and you did get what you signed
4: up for at mm-hmm. least on the surface. And you learned Turkish dance.
6: It's true. Uh, you should see me in the dresses. <laughs> Very, I twirl amazingly.
4: Well, uh Sadly for everybody who uh, is out there in the audience today, uh, this is an audio podcast. So. Look I at think, him twirl. Look at him twirl. Watch me go. <laughs> so, um, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode. This is something that, um, Noel and Matt and I had never heard of. And, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, be our first. I think you are our first human intern. Did you know that?
6: Well, I think that's kind of disparaging toward the NSA agent okay. that was part of there.
4: Sure. Well, that's true,
6: but then we had the puppet um, and the, um, the
5: skeleton. The skeleton. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But
6: I'm just glad I was able to come on the show. I was mm-hmm. able to tell my story and you weren't immediately dismissive of mm-hmm. the whole crazy affair.
4: <laughs> well, uh, we, uh, we are all about uh, finding ourselves in situations where the truth is stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. If you would like to learn more about the story of Hizmet, the Gulan movement, and, uh, Sam's adventures therein, we're also both very glad you're okay, mm-hmm. uh, then do check out a documentary called Killing Ed.
6: Killing Ed is this, uh, very interesting documentary that, um, it definitely has its perspective and it's very, very strongly coming in there, but, it has a lot of really good information a lot of very good quotes and it really gets to the heart of a lot of people who were just like me in the experience and i feel like just seeing the different kind of perspectives and hearing the first hand accounts that i think is very important
4: and it remains the only independently produced documentary to uh investigate the movement's apparent involvement in uh, the school system and possible political corruption, but let's say political activities and the alleged connections to the coup attempt. And this brings up a whole other kind of can of worms with the whole charter
5: school thing in the first place. There's a movie called uh, "Waiting for Superman," I think it's called, that's mm-hmm. about the implementation of charter schools and how it seems very appealing on the surface, but there's a lot of odd politics involved in mm-hmm. that system in general. And now we're seeing, you know, with again the current administration, the idea of school choice sort of a misnomer. It doesn't. You don't really have. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like the ch- the choice aspect of it is sort of a little bit of a red herring kind oh, of. Yeah. So I don't know. We, I
4: almost think we should uh, revisit charter schools specifically
5: mm. and – looking to look a little deeper into that
4: yeah. and in the meantime we are going to head out today we will return next week with something equally bizarre uh, but probably also completely different uh, we do hope you enjoyed this episode and most importantly we hope you write in today and let us know what you think about this movement what you think about charter schools in general did you go to one of these schools
5: do you have anything
4: to add to Sam's perspective
6: if you're one of my classmates from Uh, 2010, let me know. Send me a Facebook message. We'll talk.
4: Wait, you were in middle school in 2010?
6: That's right. Uh, oh, man, we got to go. <laughs>
4: All right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, apparently uh, Noel and Tristan and I have to go get the early bird special yeah. somewhere. <laughs> uh, so we are going to head out. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are Conspiracy Stuff Show and Conspiracy Stuff at the other two. If you'd like to talk to us, if you have a, a topic that you think uh, would be great for your fellow listeners to hear – or maybe even if it's not great, important for your fellow listeners to hear, then you can write to us directly. We are.
5: Conspiracy at howstuffworks.com.